Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. It is a T. Watson TR edition of the BOL Pod. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside site publisher Tim Watts. It is a Wednesday, April the 19th, 2023. And Tim, we got a lot to talk about on the program today. We're going to have a A-Day player draft, kind of a fantasy football version of an A-Day player draft with Tim and myself. But we got some basketball to talk about, maybe some baseball, and of course we got that roundtable mailbag that we both love so much. Absolutely excited for the A day, all the all the other sports that's going on. So it's a big week coming up. Absolutely, man. You got uh, also the football and basketball recruiting uh, with the transfer portal window open as well. We've seen some movement from the Alabama football roster here in the last few days. Elijah Brown, the second-year tight end, is going to move on, it appears. And then also Jacquez Robinson, veteran defensive back, who has been primarily a sub-package specialist, it seems, to this point in his Alabama career. Looks like he's going to make the move as well. So a lot to consider. We'll get into a lot of it. We'll also touch on a lot of this in, again, the Bama Online Roundtable Mailbag. Tim, you ready to have a A-Day player draft? We're going to pick 10 players apiece, Tim. How does that sound? Sounds good. I mean, sounds kind of hard, but yeah. It's All right, good. well, here's the parameters. We're going to pick – you, you got to pick a quarterback. We're going to pick two running backs. We're going to pick two wide receivers, a tight end. And I know these guys don't translate to typical fantasy football. But we're going to pick one OL apiece, one DL apiece, one linebacker apiece, and one defensive back apiece. And then maybe what we'll do is we'll accumulate tackles and tackles for loss and things like that on the defensive side of the ball. Kind of see how that plays out post-A day as well. So, Tim, you get the first pick in the 2023 A day game player draft. And you can pick any position. It doesn't mean you have to pick quarterback first, but you know, that's typically a, a a popular position in fantasy football. I know running back can be as well. So with that first pick, where are you going? You know, I'm probably too smart for my own good. So <laughs> I know I can get a quarterback. I don't really have a preference between the two. I don't have any mm-hmm. preference. So I know I can wait for you, then choose the next one. So I'm not in a big rush for there. I tell you, I think I'm going to go start out right out of the gate. I think I'm going to go with Malik Benson. Wow. The wide receiver position. I'm going to get my home run thread at wide receiver and just wait for the quarterback dominoes to fall. How about that? Tim going wide receiver. And it's uh, I think it's a prudent play because of the reason you just talked about. I don't know if there's enough separation between the top two quarterbacks. And who knows? I mean, we've seen some spring games where the third or fourth guy end up doing some good things at the quarterback spot as well. And what we don't know on this Wednesday, too, right, 
is how Nick Saban is going to format this thing where the quarterbacks are concerned. Is it going to be one quarterbacking one team, one the other? Or is he going to put them both with the same team, Tim? Yeah, that's absolutely what sort of factored in. I know Benson wants a chance to showcase. So giving him that chance, that opportunity. Guy's been at junior college. I can't imagine how excited he is to to play, you know, his first really SEC game. You know, this is – I know he's playing his own team, but it's really his first SEC game. So – that would be pick number one for Timothy. I'm going to stick with a sort of standard, I guess, fantasy football approach. And as you know, I'm not the the, the most uh, prolific or knowledgeable fantasy footballer out there. But I'm going to go running back, Tim, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go Jam Miller. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in between sort of the veteran returnees and the standout and Justice Haynes, and I'm going to think Jam Miller is going to get a lot of work in this scrimmage, and I'm going to go running back. Although, again, as we know from the past, these scrimmages can be pass game heavy, so I think it's a little bit of a risk in going there, but I'm going to go with Jam Miller, this the sophomore running back. That was 100% my next pick, so now you've got to force <laughs> me to make sure I get my running back, which is going to be Justice Haynes, um, kind of forced the issue there, and it was – Kind of a tough decision. I know Justice Haynes is really going to want to be on that field, and he factors into the pass game. So, um, but I'll go with Justice. I like the I like the direction this is going. Yeah, Malik Benson and Justice Haynes now for Tim Watts. I went Jam Miller with my first pick, and I'm going to go wide receiver because you've already done that. And with my wide receiver pick, I am going to go with. Um, I'm going to go. I'll go Jermaine Burton. I'm going to go with the veteran, Jermaine Burton. I was kind of between he and DeCorey, but uh, I'll go Jermaine Burton there at the wide receiver position. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get my quarterback, Ty Simpson. Okay. There he is. I do think passing-wise, he's probably got the most that won't. I mean, Jalen's been there. Jalen's been in the spring games. He's been in, you know, he's played in the SEC games. He's played in a lot of games. Ty Simpson hasn't really had that opportunity. I don't remember him really having many opportunities to pass the ball last year. So this game's going to mean a little bit more to him. Um, I think almost like a, you know, first chance to make a showcase. So another, I mean, a lot of what I'm doing is choosing the excitement level for the A-Day game and the opportunity, a chance to show their self. So I think Ty fits that a little bit more than Jalen you know, who's already kind of, you know, played in several games. I'm going to go quarterback, too, and I'm tempted to go with one of the newcomers here, again, because I don't know how this thing's going to be formatted. I do know this, though. I don't think this competition is at a point where you can waste reps either, right? I mean, you need to look at these guys. It is a spring game. It is more made for the fans and made for TV and those type of things. But you're still very much in the evaluation process. So with you going with one of those two quarterbacks, I'm going to go with one of those two quarterbacks. And I'm going to go with Jalen Milrow, who played pretty well in this scrimmage a year ago. Yeah, he did. Um, Can't blame you. Um, Two very interesting situations. I know that's kind of the entire payday, which, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing. draws our attention like a quarterback battle and the uncertainty of the quarterback position. And we really haven't had it since Bryce and Mack. And really overall, Saban's tenure, we haven't had it that often 
uh, in general. So I know that's a big chance for both of them. Jalen's been there. Also, I'm curious to see, you know, even though it's touch, it's hard to touch Jalen sometimes. You might get some cheap run yards uh, from that guy when he breaks the pocket. Absolutely. I like that scenario. I like it a lot, especially with what we've seen in the past in these scrimmages. Uh, Pass rush. It it can be a concern uh, when you when you talk about these kind of scrimmages for an offense. He runs until they tag him, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, or, yeah, I think pretty much, or he gives himself up, or he's considered done. Okay, and yeah. but he can't rush yards, so that's going to be a that's got to factor in. My it's going to factor in for Simpson too, but obviously Jalen, you know, Simpson's a good athlete. Jalen's kind of that next level athlete. All right, right. we may we uh, may actually get an opportunity to see these guys work from the pocket more than we've seen from Alabama quarterbacks in some previous eight days because there's not a Tim Williams. Um, there's, there's not a Ryan Anderson. There's not a Will Anderson this year. Uh, doesn't look like Dallas Turner is going to play, uh, in this scrimmage on Saturday. So, uh, the, the opportunity to actually operate from within the pocket might be a little bit better than in some previous years. So who you got next, Tim? Tell you, I'm going to go, I'm going to go tight end here. Oh, Jay Dupree, I think he wants a chance again, a chance to kind of blend in. You got to really include him in the offense, right? Don't you want to see a little bit of what sure. you can do? You want to see a couple of routes. I don't think he'll get a lot of opportunities, but I do think he'll get opportunities. I don't think you can see, you know, the same can could be said for other tight ends as well, but CJ's the one I think is going to be the most excited, and they really have the, the most uncertainty about since he's just been there since, you know, January. I'm going to go ahead and get my other wide receiver right here, Tim. I'm going to go – Kind of tough pick here, but I'm going to go Ja'Cory Brooks. I'm a big Ja'Cory Brooks fan. And between he and Burton, I like the way they finished the 2022 season. Uh, So give me another veteran option at the wide receiver spot. I'll go Ja'Cory Brooks there, and you're up. You know me. I'm a young young buck guy. These freshmen, they turn into sophomores. But I'm going to go Kobe Prentice, a little bit over Isaiah Bond. I know Bond might not get the same number of reps. We kind of know what he is. Kobe's had his moments, but I do expect Kobe to have some opportunities, especially deep, because that's one thing they will do is they will chuck it deep. They will throw the ball down the field, though. So I'm excited to see that. And I think Kobe's going to have a little bit of chance to shine. Plus, he's a Shelby County boy. I can't turn my back. You've on. been you've been team Kobe for a while going back to yeah, high school, going right back the, to that camp performance that you told us about where he blew he's up. Right up the road in Calera, and he's just one of the interesting recruitments because it's very quiet. He kills King, you know, got a Maryland offer, committed to Maryland. I start doing some digging, goes to Alabama. Next thing you know, I'm hearing he's just murdering the camp. They're just killing the camp. So I'm doing all this research for a kid right up the road. And a lot of Alabama fans are freaking out seeing Bama's missing on their top targets, which just wasn't the case. They just didn't really have their top targets till June. I know that'll happen again this year, too. But, yeah, yeah, just like Kobe, he's a local kid, too. Yep, local Kobe Prentice. I'm going to go I'm going to go tight in for this uh, this next pick. You took C.J. Dupree a couple of picks ago and I'm going to go Amari Nyblack at the tight end position. A little bit concerned because we got the practice video from U.A. for Tuesday's workout. Charlie Potter, as he always did, does does a great job of getting that up for our subscribers there at BamaOnline.com. Looked like Amari was working with a bit of a shoulder support on. 
So I'm kind of wondering a little bit about where he's at from a health perspective. Could have just been a preventive measure. Who knows? That's a lot of what they do uh, with practice time. So uh, I was thinking also Danny Lewis, because we've heard Nick Saban talk about him glowingly. And hey, this is supposed to be more of a tight end friendly offense than even what we've seen in the past with Tommy Reese coming in. So I'll still go with Amari Nyblack there at the tight end position with my pick. We are officially passing the halfway mark now, Tim. Who do you got next? All right. I'm going to take – I can't believe he's still there. I'm going to take Caleb Downs. Yeah. We kind of got lost in the offense. I wonder if we'll see him a little bit on special teams. I don't know if we will or not. Um, but definitely a guy that's looking to, to, to showcase. And, again, ultimate competitor. And we've seen these guys that love to play the game more than anything else. Uh, he's not going to miss a chance to play in front of, you know, his parents, I'm sure his parents or his, his closest people will be there and watching. So I don't think he's going to miss an opportunity to shine. I'm going to, well, it's time to go defense pretty much. Or you could go OL, um, but really hard to quantify the offensive lineman uh, in a, in a, in a gig like this, but I'm going to go defense as well. And I am going to go with, I'm going to go with a safety. I'm going to go with Christian Story. Might be a little bit of a surprise, but you know what I remember? I think I recall Christian Story picking off one of these quarterbacks in last year's game. Might have been uh, might have been Jalen Milrow in the A-Day game a year ago. So give me the veteran safety. Still trying to nail down a role or two for this defense in 2023. I'm going to go with Story there. Yeah, good call. He's getting a lot of pub, a lot of love. You know, thinking about story, though, when here's recruitment, he's one of the freaky, I don't know if freaky is the right term. He's one of the most versatile athletes, completely dominated lower level football, knew his learning, you know, his learning curve is going to be a little bit steeper coming from such small ball. But he had potential. I mean, we weren't even sure where he'd end up playing because he's got wide receiver, outside linebacker. He's got the size for several positions um, and certainly the athleticism. But I'm, I'm rooting for him. So I hope he has a big game. Who you got next, Tim? All right, I will go next. I will go with Pritchett. I'm going to go offensive lineman, trying to lock down some guys looking to capitalize on their opportunities. Uh, the young guys, you know, with the chance to shine and really showcase. Now, this is going to be their opportunity, in my opinion, to really, you know, this is the last thought you're going to have of them, basically, until you get to August. So lots on the line mentally for these kids with the coaches, because that's going to be their lasting impression. And again, most of the guys I've taken are either just I think they're dying to showcase what they can do or this is a huge opportunity for them. I'm going to go ahead and take my DL here and I'm going to go with the big man, Jaheim Otis. My only concern there is that you can play a hell of a game at his position and finish with one tackle or no tackles. Right. But I think he's going to he's going to prove disruptive enough to make some plays. Uh, and really, I'm also considering the other guys around him. And frankly, if we're talking about sort of a track record of tackle totals and things like that, I'm not quite there with Tim Smith. Maybe Justin Aboigby sees enough action coming off that neck injury that he's able to impact things from that perspective. But I just feel like I got to go with the the guy right there in the middle and the big man, Jaheim. Uh, nothing wrong with that. I'm going to go with uh, Tresman Marshall. I'm gonna stick mm-hmm. with my uh, that thing. linebacker. Yeah. yeah, I'm stick. Yeah, I'm trying to stick with my theme of guys that are probably this game's probably gonna mean a lot to him. Uh, he's a guy that hasn't played a lot. 
everybody's talking about him. He's apparently doing pr- pretty well in practice and, you know, kind of a motivated guy. And again, all we heard was if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy. So hopefully he will, but a uh, chance for him to, to showcase what he can do. With my pick here, as we get later in this 2023 A-Day player draft, um, I'm going to go with a linebacker as well. I'm going to go Jihad Campbell, the second-year player. I just like his ability to make plays from sideline to sideline. I think this is a, a, a scrimmage opportunity in which, again, with the passing game being as prominent as it usually is, uh, whether it's the run game or against the pass, I can see Jihad Campbell racking up some tackle totals, uh, tackle numbers in this scrimmage. So I'm going to go with Campbell there. And so we're getting down to the uh, sort of nitty gritty here. We have both taken our quarterbacks. You took Ty Simpson. I took Jalen Milrow. We have both taken two wide receivers. You took Malik Benson and also Kobe Prentice. I took Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks. Interesting. No, no uh, Isaiah Bond there among our four wide receivers. I think that could that could prove to be a guy that makes some plays in the scrimmage. We both took our running backs. I took Jam Miller. Um, I guess actually I'm still down to a running back, but you took uh, Justice Haynes. Um, what's the other running back that you took? Man, I'm 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 all I'm over the place. Only, I'm only taking one. So we've only taken one running back apiece. So uh, that's kind of where we're at in this thing. I've got to take an offensive lineman. I think you need to take a defensive lineman still. So. We've got two. We've got a running back apiece. I've got an offensive lineman, and you got a defensive lineman. I believe before we wrap this thing up. Yeah, you know me. Sticking with my theme, I'm going with James Smith, another guy. I know this. The energy will be there. Um, the opportunity should be there, and he's definitely a guy that likes to likes to be seen. He's 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 about the big show, so he's going to know a lot of eyes are on him. I think he's had some moments. Of course, he's having those freshman learning curve. Still got to put all that together, which is more complicated than people think on the defensive line. But I expect him to be a big bear out there. I'm going to go running back and take uh, Jace McClellan here with my ninth pick to go along with Jam Miller at the running back position. I'll go Jace there in the uh, ninth round. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to do with the um, – I guess I'm left with Roy Dale, right? Uh, Roy Dell. Yeah. That's the four Scott. That's the four scholarship yeah. running backs. Yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind being, getting Roy Dell with that last pick, you know, same thing with him. I'm wondering how much of an opportunity Jason Roy Dell get with, you know, they've got a bit of an injury history there. Right. Um, I also think jam was a, was a great pick early on. I think justice is certainly going to have some opportunities, you know, they, you know, especially justice. He reminds me of that kid. You see him in little league where they keep tapping the coach to go in, you know, that's kind of the thing with some of these guys. They're just not going to want to sit out. So I'll go with Roy Dell with the last pick. And uh, I'll go. I've got to take an offensive lineman here. And I was kind of between Seth McLaughlin and J.C. Latham. But uh, give me the big offensive tackle. I'll go J.C. Latham there with my 10th and final pick. So Team Tim, as we'll call it. First pick, Malik Benson, wide receiver. Second pick, Justice Haynes, running back. With pick number three, Tim took Ty Simpson at the quarterback position. Fourth, Tim went with C.J. Dupree at the tight end spot. Fifth, Kobe Prentice at wide receiver. Tim then took Caleb Downs at the safety position with the sixth pick. 
Seventh, he went with Elijah Pritchett, the left offensive tackle. Uh, from there, Trez Marshall at the linebacker position for Tim. He stayed in the front seven with his ninth pick, took the freshman, the early enrollee, James Smith, uh, at the defensive line spot. And then Tim wrapped things up with running back Roydell Williams. I'm with you on the two running backs we took late. It's just kind of hard to predict uh, availability, workload, those type of things. Uh, my first pick, I went with J.M. Miller at running back. Second, I went Jermaine Burton at wide receiver. Jalen Miller was my third pick at the quarterback position. Ja'Cory Brooks, I went with fourth at wide receiver. Amari Nyblack at tight end went fifth uh, to team TR. Six, I went with Christian Story as a safety. Seventh, Jaheim Otis up front on that defensive line. Uh, eighth, I went Jihad Campbell at the linebacker position. Took McClellan at running back ninth. And then the offensive tackle, J.C. Latham. So there you go, Tim. Feel pretty good about Team Tim as we look here at it uh, in advance of Saturday scrimmage. Absolutely. You can look at it after over the weekend, come up with our winner. Yeah. What we'll, the- I'm going to let you be the judge. <laughs> that much to give me your honest feedback oh sure oh sure because you can count on that you know absolutely i will check your work just for the record. no doubt about it no doubt you have to show your work that's what always got me in those algebra classes tim you know they started asking me to show my work i never that's understood. where the that's where the engineering chances are anything kind of scientific went out the window you know Absolutely. Went right out the window. So, uh, Tim, what else we want to get into before we get to the mailbag? I know there's a lot going on with uh, Nate Oates and his staff, and it uh, looks like it's coming together nicely. Uh, Alabama has made official the hiring of Austin Clonch as a new assistant to Nate Oates. Ryan Pannone, uh, it sounds like, uh, the Pelicans assistant, is all but official at this point. What do you think of the staff as it takes shape here? You know, I was looking at the bios, um, very interesting stuff, very diverse group. Um, you know, again, you know, we talked about this with, with Bala when he was hired as a linebacker coach. I mean, these are guys that have paid their dues, um, relatively, you know, younger guys. Clanch uh, is only 33 years old. And I think, uh, and did you say Pannone? Would that be? I think it may be Pannone, but uh, I, I need to, I need to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. That could be right. Um, he's under 40 years old, both of them, you know, you know, obviously 33, you, you know, you're doing some work, went from Clemson, Nichols State head coaching job. And, you know, you kind of see it's kind of interesting to see guys leave Alabama for, you know, you know, head coaching job, which is important, but not really big name schools. And then you have a head coach coming from a smaller school to be assistant Alabama. So that's been interesting. And the the. Uh, you know, Ryan, the, that guy, you know, I'm a Pelicans fan. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm already a fan of this guy, but, you know, long history, AAU coach, high school coach, uh, Wallace State Community College coach, assistant coach, moved to China to be an assistant coach. I mean, this guy really loves the game of basketball. Um, even served as assistant coach for Hapel Jerusalem of Israel's top, one of their top mm-hmm. teams. And, you know, ended up with the Pelicans and, you know, now an assistant Alabama. So this is going to be a guy with some wide open connections, I imagine. I mean, you know, you've been in China, you've been in Israel, you've been in, you know, New Orleans, you've been in the Deep South, you've been in the junior college ranks. I mean, there's a lot, you know, as far as uh, as connections go. And, you know, recruiting is relationships. Everything about recruiting is relationships. So my guess is he'll have that. And the younger guy will be uh, 
certainly a you know an up and comer. I've seen other people say really good things about him as a basketball coach, and they're still trying to fill this roster with you know with portal guys. You know, still looking at them and and you know just a lot happening right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the portal, and the sport has literally become global because you look at college rosters now, and you've got guys from around the world playing. Uh, college basketball and in the United States. So uh, to have a guy like that, as you know, you've been around it more than anyone I know, especially at the grassroots level. It's not what you know, right? As much as who you know. If I'm a head coach and I'm looking to hire an assistant, it's great if I can ask him to get up there and and draw up a, a press or a press break or sideline out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, all that's great. But tell me who you know. Who who are your connections? What's your network when it comes to uh, attracting personnel to a program? And it sounds like uh, uh, Nate has got that very much at the forefront, as you might expect. And you mentioned the transfer portal, Tim. Uh, We talked about this a little bit before the pod, but right now, anyway, understanding that it's ever-changing on this front. who are the two or three guys right now that you feel like Alabama has very much in their sights in terms of legitimate targets in, in the transfer portal? Yeah, I know Latrell um, Wrightsell, very interesting last name, he's visiting tomorrow through, I think it's tomorrow through Saturday, he's coming for a visit. You know, he's an interesting type prospect. Still feel like they're trending heavily for Aaron Estrada, who I like. He's one of the guys, when you look at statistics, there's a little bit of film you can find on him. He's a guy that I liked a lot. So um, you have both those guys. You got B.J. Max, a little interesting, South Carolina. Uh, kind of, I think they kind of feel they're in it from it. They're from, uh, he's from South Carolina, I believe. But he's like best friends with Nick Pringle too, so that's going to factor in. Um, you know, we had an interview with him on BOL. Hank South talked to him and felt that Bama was trending, but he still has visits left. So. You know, I think a lot, you know, a lot's happening here. We've seen a lot, a lot of movement up until this point, um, up until this point, a lot of changes. And again, like you said, these things can change in a minute. Visits get canceled, canceled, visits get added. But, you know, overall, I think Nate Oates has juggled it really well. You know, he's lost players to the portal. He's lost players to the draft. He's lost three coaches, which I, I absolutely have never heard of to other coaching jobs. So I think he's doing a good job of balancing that. And don't forget, they've already got uh, Jaquan Walton, who I think is going to turn out to be a really good pickup, you know, the the transfer from uh, Wichita State. I've been seeing some stuff. I had a friend send me some stuff from Instagram, and he's, you know, this guy's long and skilled and can shoot. So they're, they're, they have the makings of a really good squad coming again. again. But, again, it's almost to the point of, you know, we used to say this about Coach Cow. He'd bring in, you know, at Kentucky, he'd bring in five five stars, roll the ball out, let them play. Where basically everyone's now doing this. You're looking at almost a whole new flipped roster for all the teams that are going to compete. Alabama's certainly going to have their share of uh, roster turnover. Man, it's become more difficult for coaches with this turnover that you outlined there because. Hell yeah, you'd love to bring in three or four freshmen every year and develop them for two, three, four years. Um, but with all the movement, you've got to bring in experience. As you said in the past, you got to stay old in a lot of ways, too. Yeah, and I think Alabama ran into that in the tournament. I think that's the one thing they, I think they took from this tournament was 
talent's not always enough. When you run into a team like we saw several San Diego States, obviously one we could talk about having beat Alabama and made the championship game. Ton of experience helped to help those guys. You know, ton of experience. And, you know, you know, you you know, experience makes you talented. You know, once you've been through it, once you've been through the battles, once you've seen more, you know, you just learn more. Same thing in Major League Baseball. Once you've been through, you know, looking at the pitching, you're going to be a better hitter or have a better chance. The same with basketball. Those guys, get, those guys uh, you know, got better. And Alabama just at times showed how young they were. It wasn't a talent issue. Alabama had talent. But, you know, it just was a, you know, just was a, haven't been there. You know, if you don't know, you don't know. So I think they do want to mix that talent with some guys to get older. A lot of their class really isn't one and done guys. When you look up, you've got Sam Walters, who's a guy I think everybody likes, but he, you know, you wouldn't expect him to be one and done. Um, you know, Muhammad Diabatu, he's another one. Chris Parker, maybe he's the most likely one and done candidate if he blows up, but you're really expecting these guys to be here a couple of years, you know, and you're assuming, you know, Betty Yako comes back. Uh, Mark comes back and, you know, you know, I think it's possible, you know, Quinterly comes back. So you're going to have some experience with these transfers and you're going to have some young guys that can help out. Yeah. I mean, if you get those three guys back, all three that are currently going through the draft process, it kind of feels like everything else is gravy. But um, you absolutely want to add some key pieces, I think, in terms of uh, the things that fit a NATO's basketball team. Of course, length is a big part of that. Three-point shooting is a huge part of that, and more so than most people realize, a willingness to really get after it defensively. Not kind of you can play defense when you're up to it, but can you do it, sustain it over the time that you're on the floor? Hey, Tim, kind of flipping back to football here because it is spring game season. I wanted to get your thoughts on this Texas situation. Now, I was of the belief that it would probably be right up until game week before we would know for sure exactly who was going to take the first snap as the starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns in 2023. But Sark didn't waste any time after Texas's spring game Saturday saying, uh, Quinn's the guy. And so kind of put a a bit of a halt to the, the Arch Manning hype train, at least for now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's funny to see that, are you know there's some guys there's just some players that no matter who you're a fan base who who you're a fan of you're going to argue vehemently one way or the other I mean I've got the whole if Arch's last name was Ryder or Watts he'd have been a three-star you know you get that whole crowd which I don't believe I think his offers alone in his film I don't think there's any way he'd have been a three-star I mean 0.00 possibility also nobody you know a lot of people I know didn't think he was number one and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the thought was just you can't bet against a Manning. Yeah, you can. There's like a lot of Mannings. There's been three of them that were NFL quarterback. It's good to have that lineage, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a quarterback, you know, Arch, Archie obviously had two sons that were really good quarterbacks. That's not necessarily the case on down the line of every Manning is going to be a big time quarterback. Although Arch had the offers, the interest. Uh, the name, everything. Now, I will say as a freshman, the learning curve is probably extremely hard for him. You know, he's probably a guy that likes to have fun. He's probably rich as crap. You know what I mean? I imagine his NIL, that name, I imagine he's got a ton of money. And most freshmen go through a learning curve. 
You know what I mean? Most freshmen go through a learning curve, but I was surprised to see his plays in that Texas game. Now the ones making excuses say he didn't play with a lot of talent. He played behind the the third, you know, the the third offensive line or whatever. Um, but at the same time, his arm strength didn't look very strong, not like we were expecting. I'm sure he's better than that. Had to be some nerves. But those, if you had never seen Arch Manning and saw that performance, you probably would have thought he was a walk-on. I don't care what anybody says if you've never seen him. But at the end of the day, that's not the end of Arch Manning. I mean, he's still got time to, you know, to adjust. He's still got time to get better. Um, I mean, Quinn Ewers is clearly – the number one quarterback there, I think. But also, I think clearly Murphy, Malik Murphy, is clearly number Malik three. Murphy, I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Is Do you think Arch will be the number three Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, right when Texas that. comes to Tuscaloosa on September 9th? Yeah, I wouldn't expect to see him um, unless the game really just gets out of control one way or the other. And even then, I imagine they're, you know, they're going to, this is a red shirt situation. Um, with Arch Manning, I think. But, yeah, I thought Murphy looked considerably better. I actually thought he looked pretty good. I think he might challenge Ewers, but obviously Ewers has been named the, the starting quarterback. I've enjoyed the discussion on this. I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of people that are adamant one way or the other. But, um, yeah, I mean, for a freshman debut, you know, when you have a guy ranked number one, you don't expect him to, you know, he's going to show flaws, but there's really hard for him to live up to any billing he has. So that, the odds were already against Arch Manning um, of being as good as they expected in his first spring game. But then again, we saw Bryce, and you know he certainly looked better than that. Yeah, and absolutely, I, I think there's there's some truth to all of that when it comes to you know Arch being a little bit behind in terms of hitting that level. Uh, again, he he didn't play at the highest level of Louisiana high school football. Either. I, I mean, yeah, played at I a mean, very, yeah, the, so yeah, there was going to be an adjustment. You, you knew just coming from the, the the program and really more so the competition he played against. And look, Quinn Ewers is a, a is a dude, man. I mean, he's a five star, former five star in his own right. Malik Murphy was a highly coveted quarterback coming out of the state of California. And I watched uh, about a half or so of that spring game. And I was really impressed with Quinn Ewers, man. They say he's much more committed uh, going into this season and, Boy, they've got some weapons, and you think about where that game falls on the schedule, and Alabama maybe still trying to figure out some things on the back end, Tim. Alabama better get some pass rush on Quinn Ewers because Xavier Worthy, Texas added A.D. Mitchell at wide receiver from Georgia. Um, you got Jatavian Sanders, who's a beast at the tight end position. Jordan Whittington back at wide receiver. Uh, that That's, that's I, I'm seeing a dogfight. On, on September the 9th at Bryant-Denny Stadium is what I'm seeing right now, as it sits right now. Yeah, I just think we don't know enough. You know, yeah. if one of these quarterbacks comes out here and looks like a first-round draft pick, we're going to feel a lot different. Also, also, Texas is going to have a lot of, you know, that's early in the game season for Texas, too. They're going to have to blend a lot of guys together as well. So, um, I, you know, I think for the winner, you're glad you got the other one early. Um, but I do think that would have been a hell of a game, you know, 10th game of the season. Once those guys got a lot of that stuff, Kings worked out. So um, huge game early on, but um, definitely two talented teams. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That second week, week two, Alabama, of course, opens with Middle Tennessee in Tuscaloosa, then gets the Longhorns in that return game uh, from that two-game home and home. And then Alabama, after Texas, goes on the road to 
South Florida. It's a very interesting schedule for Alabama in 2023. Hey, Tim, you ready to get in the podcast mailbag here? Sure. Let's do it. Jam Bama has no shortage of questions for us, our guy, Jam Bama. Um, what are you wanting to take away from a day the most? I guess what would make you feel best about this team in 2023 if you at least saw some of that on Saturday in the scrimmage? Yeah, you know, I just want to see I just want to see fundamentals there, especially defensively. I want to see aggressive offensive line. I don't need any one player, and this is just me. I don't need any one player to go out there and dazzle. You know what I mean? I don't think. I mean, we saw a guy haul. We saw him do that. You know, so I don't think that means as much. But I would like to see an effort. You know, you know, linebackers are going to be very curious. You know, now with Pete gone and Kevin Steele at the helm, I mean, that's going to be interesting. T. Rob's going to got the whole back end. You know, so that's going to be interesting. So. Um, I just want to see a consistent team effort. I want to see fundamentals on both sides of the ball, and I want to see an aggressive offensive line. Yeah, I think aggressive ties into physicality, right? And that's been a buzzword this spring uh, from Nick Saban and others that we've heard from. So I, I want to see some of that. I want to see some of that edge at the point of attack. I want to see it offensively, but I also want to see if that mindset is also trickling over to the defensive side of the ball because that's what the defense is going against all spring and so I want to see a defense that takes a step in terms of physicality because frankly the last couple of years it hadn't been enough in that regard for Alabama uh, on the defensive side of the ball so I'm interested to see that as much as anything else hey Tim Tim Bama also asked who's on commitment watch um and how much of an impact is Julian saying having or going to have on the 2024 class, the five-star quarterback commitment, of course? Well, I had a nugget on Caden Jones yesterday. Uh, he's announcing Friday. I think Alabama's in a good position there. Joe Cox has done a good job of laying the groundwork. Big, Alabama's a big, uh, big fan of this guy. He just took a visit, got an offer. I think he visited January, February, got an offer. Came back, really loved it, you know, decided to announce this Friday. So I think he'd be the one that's most likely. He's a 6'4 um, linebacker, you know, edge, not inside. I think he's kind of that jack, that rush edge type of position, um, especially with his length. Still got to fill out some. But uh, North Carolina kid, 6'4, he'd be the one. And Julian saying, I mean, anytime you get a quarterback that, that, that big of a name, it, you know, it's going to help you because, you know, that's what a lot of the young, you know, especially the offensive guys are wondering, who am I, who's going to be my quarterback? Um, who am I going to get to play with? So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's, you know, composite five-star, I think he's close to the top 10 range, had offers from across the country. So he's definitely going to have an impact. Jam Bama, among his questions that we'll wrap up with here, he asked, does Alabama baseball, will Alabama baseball, make an NCAA regional coming up here. Of course, Alabama coming off a series win over Auburn, dropped a tough one last night in Birmingham to UAB, four to three in 11, 11 innings. Uh, Tim, I, I think if, if that's going to happen, uh, they, they really need a series win uh, in Columbia, Missouri this weekend because just looking at the schedule coming up here, uh, it's never easy in the SEC. It won't be easy at Missouri this weekend. But, boy, when you start talking about on the road at LSU, 
and then Vanderbilt and Tuscaloosa in early May. It damn sure isn't getting any easier. Well, I can tell you this. Last night when I was watching the BAM, I was watching the NBA playoffs and the Braves at the time. But when I checked the SEC baseball scores, I mean, it was bloody Wasn't winning. pretty, yeah. LSU got beat by Louisiana. Um, Vanderbilt lost to Indiana State. All these at home, I believe. And Tennessee got thumped. They gave up almost 20 hits to Tennessee Tech. You know, this is a team that was, you know, picked two, three, five in the top five in the country. And, you know, now they're, you know, I'm not, what are they, 23 and 14, 15, something like that. Their record uh, isn't that good. They lose in a lot of series in the SEC and uh, very much, you know, an interesting night in the in the uh, SEC baseball. But, yeah, I think Alabama's going to have to find some consistency. They're going to have to win. You know, it was good to get that Auburn, you know, that Auburn victory. It was good to get that series victory after losing the first one. But you you kind of, you know, kind of hoped for a sweep there, I think, you know, and you, you kind of wanted a sweep against Mississippi State, and you ended up losing that. And I think little things like that could end up uh, coming back to haunt them. But if they string together something, you know, win one in LSU, win one, maybe two in Vanderbilt, which seems like, I know it seems like long odds, but those resume builders, they'll have a shot, I think. Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for sort of a reverse of the trend that we've seen from this team to this point in the season. They've been, they've been like 1996 good when it comes to 1995, 1996, 1997 good when it comes to midweek games this season. So they lose at UAB last night. Maybe that means they're going to start winning more on the weekends because that's been the problem. You know, midweek, they've been damn near unbeatable. Uh, hopefully they, they reverse that and go to Columbia starting on Friday night and get a win. The problem with Alabama right now too, is that they're dealing with multiple injuries um, in their rotation uh, from a pitching perspective and, you combine that with they, they've been inconsistent offensively for sure. I mean, they'll have games, uh, you know, where they they're held to three or four runs and then they'll have a game like they did against Mississippi State where they dime the Bulldogs in seven innings by 10. Um, they scored 12 at Arkansas. Uh, just need more from that perspective for this team as well. Let's continue in the Bama online mailbag here. Big Bama boy ask or states i guess given the most recent reports about how perry thompson and sterling dixon's comments were misrepresented or slanted toward a sympathetic listening group boy big bama boy he's got check out the brain on big bama boy how does 247 bol keep from pandering to their customers as it appears to be a huge temptation for other sites you got anything on that tim yeah, I mean, this to me, is, this is simple. First of all, this has never been my story to tell. Now, even before even before social media, um, we always followed the rules. We talked to the kids. We broke their commitment when they said so. Still to this day, you know, I mean, you know, BOL followers know we'll hold a commitment as long as they tell us to. We're, it's not our story to tell. And you know something else? These aren't our kids. It's, it's not – you shouldn't be – a grown man shouldn't be that worried about where another kid goes, somebody else's child goes. So if you take the personality, you know, the, the personal aspect out of it, you know, like, you know, some guys meet these 16, 17, 18 year old kids and think they're friends with them. It's just, that's just not, that's just not us. I mean, I don't want to be friends with my own children at that age. You know what I'm saying? So I don't really want to be friends with anybody else. I think you got to take the personal 
aspect out of it. For us, it was easy. It's never been a problem for me. I mean, I live in Thompson. Uh, you know, a lot of those recruits end up in my basement or shooting basketball in the driveway. I've seen most of them here. I don't go down there. I mind my business. I stay upstairs with the adults, you know what I mean, or back porch with the cigar. I'm not down there hanging out, you know, learning how to do the, the giddy or any of that stuff. You know, I'm not um, – that's that's nothing for me. So, But I will say this, a lot of interviews – you know, also where the interview takes place can factor into the type of quotes. I mean, Auburn historically has allowed the reporters to get the kids for interviews yep. when they walk out of the building. Now, it's not the reporter's fault, but they're interviewing a player with the assistant coach who brought him out, who walked him out the door to say goodbye. He's sitting there watching this interview a lot of times. I know this thousand percent for fact. So a kid can't really go, you know, this visit sucked. I had a bad time. The food was terrible. Unless you're Reuben Foster, he'll do it. But most people aren't in that scenario to say something bad. That would be the same at Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, anywhere. A kid's just in an awkward position. He's got can't really say, I'm not interested in this school after visiting. I've never really heard a kid say that in all these years, which is odd. So also where the interview takes place, you know, you get in a group setting. You know, some people ask very leading questions. You know, some people do an interview and take out what they want to hear and write the angle they do. We tape all of our interviews, all of them, just in case. And we've never been called out, knock on wood, but we save them just so we got receipts of what was said and what we said and what you said um, just for the history books. But I think it all begins with just, you know, this is a job. I do it to, you know, pay for my kids, you know. Uh, braces and their car payments and to send them in college. So I like to follow recruiting. I like some kids better than the others, some of the prospects better than the others. But really, I don't relate with them very well. I relate more to their mother or their coach or their father or their, you know, their mentor or, or whatever, you know, their their uncle, aunt, whoever that may be. So I think you just have to take the personal aspect out of you should not be involved in the process. It's not your process. It's not your yeah. process. Nobody should be. It's the kids' process between them and the colleges. You should be letting them figure it out. Yeah, and you know, I think you hit on it. Auburn and some other places, uh, the prospects are almost served up to the media as you as you outlined right there on campus. And as we know, in covering Alabama for, I've done it for well, this is twenty years now. You've done it for longer. Um, there have been times in the in the distant past where you know you'd have recruits that come in on official visits uh, back when there would be big visit weekends before the the additional signing day was implemented and you know the prospects would be put up there at the the hotel right across the street from the facility and um you know folks would post up in there too to try to you know get pictures or maybe interact with recruits and boy Alabama people were adamant about getting you out of there no, if that was the case. I mean, we had we had in the Shula era, as Tim recalls, we had our access threatened simply because we were breaking commitments, breaking yeah, we, news. We had to explain how it came about, how, how the process worked yeah, for I us. To, I had to explain to him, like I went to the school. The kid said, I'm about to commit to Alabama. Here's my quotes. He called the coaches. He committed, and we broke it um, with his head coach sitting in the room with us. And we had to explain it because they weren't, you know, they were just confused. You know, Shula's era was different now. They were 
dealing with some backlash and probation. Well, Shula didn't push back against compliance enough. If we're going to go behind the curtain here, there were compliance people at Alabama at the time didn't know their butt from their elbow. They bullied, they bullied Shula. They bullied Shula, and he let them. Yeah, I had Mark Godfrey introduce me to, to uh, Mike Shula, and Mike Shula told Mark Godfrey that it was illegal for him to say hey to me or speak to me. And and because everything, because Mike had no background in college football, that's yeah. where it well, killed I, I, him. Look, Look, I don't blame Shul and them. I think he got hired on the job of you yeah, have zero caretaker. We can, yeah. yeah, you cannot mess up. So I never faulted them. Um, also, they were recruiting at a different level. You know, the, a lot of the guys weren't that hard to get on the phone. So, but yeah, I mean, I think you got to be safe. I think you got to be smart. We've had people called out by guys. Uh, there was an old Miss guy with 24 7 who got called out by the recruit who said, you never even interviewed me yet. You've got to interview up. And, you know, that guy ended up leaving the site. Um, you know, that, you know, these kids aren't stupid. They're reading mm-hmm. their stories. So you got, they got re- receipts too. Yeah. You, you know, got, you got to represent, look at the end of the day. And I mean, I don't, I mean, nothing I say is going to affect a guy who would get involved in the process, but you should not be involved in somebody else's child's decision. It's none of your business. You're just reporting the tale. You're like the narrator in Shawshank Redemption. Just yeah. tell us, just tell the story. So you're documenting. That's also, basically what you're doing. Kids, kids also, you know, you know, I could go on to this about, you know, we could do a whole show on this. Kids are often pleasers too. You know what I mean? They want right. to say, you know, you know, Tony Mitchell, like every school equally the whole process, you know. There's been other guys like that too. So sometimes it's the kids, sometimes it's the interviewer, sometimes it's the the situation. Um uh, we've had no problem with Perry Thompson and Sterling Dixon, but I do find it odd when if 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 a, if you have certain people who are capable of getting quotes that nobody else can get and then the kid contradicts them. That that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem at the end of the day. I mean, that's 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 going to end up being. A problem. And you're, you're not doing yourself and more importantly, your outlet any favors when that yeah, when that I happens because your credibility I can't imagine over the 20 years there was anything I could do to really, really. I mean, I could give out information, the linebacker depth chart or all that, but everybody can give that out. Remember, mm-hmm. we started the printing out the depth chart was the thing to do. That was considered not, you know, dirty recruiting. You know, uh, you know, Tennessee handed out Alabama's depth chart. Hey, that's smart. <laughs> you know, that's what Alabama's doing it too, you know, at the quarterback position. So, um, I don't know. It's just a, to me, that's obviously a touchy subject. I have no, there's a, you know, to me, that's a, that's a no tolerance process, you know, policy. And if you get it called out more than once, twice, you know, I've dealt with other guys that, you know, at, at the, on 24 seven. And, you know, we've had issues with that with other guys where the recruits are calling them out. I mean, it's just not a position you want to be in. Like you said, it's embarrassing. No. You know, it's embarrassing, you know, I mean, I see, and, you know, I see the, the NFL guys and the NBA guys calling out national guys. You just got to, you got to, you know, you got, I would be smart is what I would do because if these kids get suspicious and their parents get involved and they start recording stuff, then it's going to be game over for those people. Me, I have no skeletons. So I'm, None. I'm, yeah, I'm good. I've, I've never, I've never like got in, you know, got in that. It's not a, it's not a winning proposition. Just put it that way. I just don't think I could influence a kid to go to Alabama, honestly. I can't. I If Nick Saban needs my help, then all is lost. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, and also, even if you were able to do that uh, and and it doesn't turn out to be the best thing for the kid, you got to wear that, too. You know, that would be absolutely that would be the biggest concern and all that, you know. Hey, uh, Big Bama Boy also asked if we can break down the safety position. Well, we talked about that a little bit in relation to Caleb Downs, Christian Story, Tim. Obviously, Malachi Moore going to be a big part of that. Um, there are some younger players. Jake Pope is a second-year guy um, that is in that mix as well. And you know, it isn't the only freshman in uh, Downs that has joined that position. you got Brayson Hubbard. Uh, Bray Hubbard has come on as an early enrollee. So uh, I think you feel good about those first two or three guys. Um, It's from there where you you worry about building depth because you can say, well, they've got three guys to fit their starting safety positions and maybe a sub package role. That's fine. But what if one of those guys gets hurt, you know, and then you got to plug and play with someone else. Yeah, I agree. I think safety is a little bit of a concern, especially from a depth standpoint. Um, you know, you're hearing a lot of, you know, you're hearing a lot of good things. I also think you've got some guys that could slide over and maybe help, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe a Earl Little, Antonio Kite, you know, Fagan, some of those guys could, Fagans, be, yeah. could maybe jump in and help in a pinch. You know, I know that, you know, I know that Little's a little bit more, you know, he's more of a star and Kite's getting more cornerback work, but, you know, guys that are familiar enough with that position to chip in Earl, you know, Earl's going to be a high IQ football guy too. So that Devonta Smith is one of those guys. I think that, you know, could have some versatility in the secondary, maybe if you needed it. Yeah. Terry and Arnold, even, you know, if your yeah. position's locked up, you know, if you're in good shape there, you can send, uh, you know, send him back there. He's certainly got the long rangey, you know, looks of a, of a safety. So I think you're just going to figure all that out. You know, I think you're just going to figure it all out as the season as you know, and, and I think they've got a good taste of it as the spring went on. So I think they'll know more after this. JJ MCG 2899, um, in addition to asking about the latest on basketball transfer portal and recruiting, which we talked about earlier, he wants to know who are the biggest potential playmakers for Alabama football that aren't being talked about as much as they should be, Tim. I don't know. I feel like we talked. Maybe Bond. You know, we yeah. didn't. I mean, I mind. would say Bond. C.J. Dupree. We don't really talk mm-hmm. about him a whole lot yet. I mean, he's a tight end, and you know, not a, you know, not super sexy type of guy. But I mean, both of those come to mind. Yeah, I would. I would have those guys pretty much near or at the top of the list. Bull Shark asked uh, about B.J. Mack, who we talked about earlier. I, I thought it was interesting your comment that BJ Mack and Nick Pringle are apparently close, which would make sense because Pringle is also uh, a South Carolinian uh, at heart. But I look at Mack and I think he plays pretty much the same position as Nick Pringle, right? I mean, they're both forward types, so uh, that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think there's a lot of versatility with Wayne's. Uh, Nate Oates does it, though. You can have both those guys on the floor at the same time, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, also, I mean, Pringle still has never shown the ability not to get in foul trouble. As excited as he True. is, he'll come in there and he'll come in there and get you in a hurry. So um, I think that's still something that he's got to work through and work on. Um, but obviously, I think they both could be on the floor at the same time. There you go. And also, I think when you're talking about B.J. Mack, this is a guy who can step outside and, and knock down the three. Not a 
not a 40% shooter from three, but I think most recently at Wofford, he was in that mid-30s range on 155 attempts. So, as you said, a little bit of a different approach to that position than, say, a guy like Nick Pringle. So, Tim, when I look at the mailbag, looks like we're wrapped up in there. Uh, what do you got your uh, what you got your heart set on right now outside of maybe Alabama athletics? Is there a, a show? Uh, maybe the NBA playoffs. I know it was yeah. it was pretty much late night. It was late night with Tim last night, wasn't it? Between baseball and the NBA playoffs, and your boy Draymond Green. That's you know, I don't know why that's I don't understand how we're having a great discussion on the roundtable, but I don't know why we're discussing whether Draymond Green's dirty or not. I mean, like he said, <laughs> there's like I don't know how much basketball people watch, or if you love Draymond, maybe you don't see it. But he did the same crap in game one. It's just nobody talked about it. There's less than 20. And the thing I have a problem with, I mean, I have a problem with a lot of it. But my biggest problem with Draymond is he does stuff to hurt his team. All that, he's a team player and all that. What he did in game two hurt his team. He missed the final three or four minutes in the close game. And game one, go back and watch. I think I posted a link in that Draymond thread. He reaches with 16 seconds left. They get the ball down one. Golden State gets a rebound down one. Draymond takes his left hand, reaches behind Sabonis' thigh, collapses his knees like a chair, lands on Sabonis. They are two grown men laying on the floor on their backs. Draymond's on him. Sabonis is on his back. And he won't get up. He, like, gets up and he falls back down. He won't get up. Could have been If that had been a foul call, which it should have been, they would have given the ball instead of having the ball down one up 16. They'd have flipped the game around, gave Sacramento the ball, either shooting or you'd have to foul for them to shoot. That's my problem. Is he, and don't forget when he got his 16th flagrant or whatever he did against LeBron and got missed the finals where they ended up coming back down, you know, losing up three to one. That's my problem. Like if I'm a fan of that team, how am I okay with him? He's missing game three. I just don't see how, as a fan, you're not irritated because they are they are they are great basketball. They have been forever. Love them or hate them, there's a beauty to Steph and Clay and those guys and the way they play. That's what's in fun. And again, I mean, Charles Barkley said my point. I've been saying this the whole time. We're wasting that. It's been a fantastic series, and we're wasting all this time on Draymond. And then his behavior after the fa- after the flagrant was just. I think that personally is what got him suspended because he's standing up on the bench, yelling at the Sacramento Kings fans. Inciting the crowd. And I'm sure they said yeah. stupid stuff because they had a couple guys get removed and they should not say anything other than, you know, the, nothing past the you suck. You know, that should be it. Yeah. You think you suck. Can't get personal. Two were getting left out and he was screaming, yeah, called him the P word. Yeah, yeah. Well, then his ass got tossed. And he sprinted in the locker room because he didn't want to hear it. I mean, that's just some weird behavior. But I keep thinking about this because me and you grew up, Malice in the Palace. We know how stuff gets on our test. Yes. And I'll tell you what, those guys' reputations were ruined for decades with really when they probably did the right thing by going in the stands to some degree. <laughs> they had a right. We had guys on the floor. We had people throwing stuff at them. But I keep wondering. What if a sacri- when D- Draymond was that lathered up, that mm. worked up? What if somebody threw a beer at him? There's a couple of towns I wouldn't go in the stands in. Detroit and Sacramento would probably be near the top of the list. 
best. But if he had went in the stairs, we know what's coming. Then his teammates are forced to follow him. I think Sabonis in game two, he definitely he he caused it. Nobody's really talking. Yeah, about is Sabonis dirty? How about well, that? Well, for me, the what was dirty in that play wasn't grabbing the ankle. I don't I don't even I don't even think that was in. I just think that was an instinct. But he tried to hook Clay Thompson's arm and fall back to make it look like Clay uh, boxed him out and got a foul. That's what he was doing. Clay mm-hmm. slipped his arm out and then. Sabonis fell down, and he fell head right on Draymond's shoe. So everybody saying Draymond was in a full sprint is just not telling the truth. He was standing still, and then when he landed, he just—I think his eyes were closed. He just grabbed a—he just reached out and grabbed the leg. I don't know if it was instinctual. I don't believe he knew it was Draymond. He shouldn't have did it anyways. He should have left Clay alone, you know. So he definitely got the technical he deserved. But then, you you know, you don't just, you know, here's the thing. If he grabbed his ankle and Draymond kicked him, I think we're all okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. If he just kicked his foot out, you know, kicked him in the face even, kicked his foot out like, let me go. But when you got your foot free and you come flying in like a WWE move and stomp on somebody's ribs, you know. Yeah. I just think it was, I think both of them were wrong. I think the refs got it right. I just keep wondering what would. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just over Draymond, man. And to me, it's boring they at this point. Sitting there, and you I watch so much. This is every friggin' game. Which guy, is. which guy would you rather have on your team in his prime, Dennis Rodman, or in his prime, Draymond Green? Because I think they're, I think you could draw some parallels to those two. You man, agree? I, mean, I think they're both good basketball players. I just think a lot of what they do is unnecessary. Man. I mean, I, I, I saw Draymond sprint down the floor a year or two ago to hit Kevin Porter in the back and follow. The guy just rubbed his crotch all over Herb. <laughs> he's the quietest guy in the friggin' world. I tell you what Draymond doesn't like. He doesn't like when you compete with him. Yeah. That's what he Oh, does. he loves to be the bully. I mean, there's no doubt about I mean, that. Golden State Warriors got to have – I mean, if you take Draymond off that team, I think that team's probably labeled really soft by the whole league. So I get that. Yeah enforcer role but he's not here's the thing everybody he he, he 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 sucker punches his own teammates well, not so. only that they pretend like kd and and draymond green are lying like oh we cool and nothing nothing that didn't cause me to leave draymond got suspended for his behavior with kevin durant mm-hmm. so whatever he did and kevin left by the way whatever he did was so bad they suspended him he got suspended for punching Jordan Poole. He's not the enforcer. He'll fight anybody. Kind of what would be poetic justice is if the Warriors don't sign Draymond and he stays in the West, I want to see where all these Golden State fans say when he's knocking Curry in the third row. (laughs) He's going to do it because it's his game. And he's great. He's a versatile basketball player. There's a whole discussion on the roundtable about Hall of Fame. Um, Certainly between Michigan State, the Olympics, the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion, he's certainly a Hall of Famer. His game's not the question. And even the even the stomp was just like, dude, come on, give me a break. He also kicks. I mean, I don't know what the record is for kicking people in the in the sack in the <laughs> but he holds it. He does it all the time. Uh, a, you know what I mean? So but the playoffs yeah. have been great. Enjoy that. Enjoy baseball. Um, Braves are playing really well. So a lot of good yeah. stuff going on right now. 
Yeah, I missed some of that. I've been watching that 100-foot wave doc on HBO Max, man. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the big out. wave hunters. It's wild. Crazy. You got these cats like Garrett McNamara, who is, well, he's unique. I'll put it that way, which you have to be. I mean, if you're trying to hunt down a 100-foot wave to surf, uh, you, you got to be a little bit different, I think. Um, it's great stuff, though. I mean, the photography and just the feel that you get for what these folks are uh, doing when they're out there with 60, 70, 80-foot waves, pretty nutty. It all, it'll also make you want to go to Nazare, Portugal, which looks just incredible over there because that's where they figured out they've got these 60-plus-foot waves pretty regular with the swell being what it is over there. So I've been into that. I would recommend that. Um, you don't have to be a surfer. Anybody like that, but 100 foot waves, good doc, good one. Yeah, I'm just the opinion that if Bodie couldn't hit that 100 foot wave, <laughs> if that killed Bodie. That, these are the waves when Bodie went out for that last time, you know, at the once in a century surf, you know, in point break. This is where it would have happened, is in Nazare, Portugal. Absolutely. Dudes, dudes movies on the next. When the surf is so rough, you have to have a jet ski pull you out to the waves and drop you in yeah. that kind of tells you they also you ain't there. just paddling out to they these baby go out there and save them don't they yeah yeah they have to rescue them with the jet skis yeah they have spotters up on the cliffs telling them where to surf and where the people are when they fall i mean you know, this documentary you got you got people being resuscitated right on the beach in some instances so yeah not for the faint of heart to say the least Tim, we good? What do you think? We got our uh, we got our A day draft in, and we got some uh, good stuff out of the round table as well. Yeah, absolutely. That well, was a good one. We have A day to talk about next week, and yep, uh, I'm really curious to see this game, like everyone else. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a it'll be revealing in some ways, and we'll all overreact in some ways. But as you said, regardless, we'll have plenty to talk about next week right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Enjoyed it, Tim. Talk to you again soon. All right. See you guys on the roundtable. Yep. Come hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe right there at BamaOnline.com. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast as of yet, the Bama Online Podcast, we certainly would love you to do so. Wherever you consume pods, you're going to find the BOL pod. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, that would help us out, and we would greatly appreciate that as well. For Tim, Travis, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it 
in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.